0: We are understanding God's plan and purpose for your life. One of the the things is that um, there's lots of people that don't understand that God has a plan for their life. Uh, It's not because they're being rebellious. It's just because maybe lack of teaching in the Word of God or so forth. Then there are others who are quite happy to be saved, but don't ask too much of me. Um, You know, it's um, uh, so forth like that. And uh, you might call it the consumer generation where people just want things to be ministered to them, but don't ask me to give something back. Well, when we read the Word of God, we find out that it's the mercies of God in the first place by which we get saved. None of us here is any better than anyone else None of us here are anything apart from the grace of God through Jesus Christ. All we are and have belong, is, is, is due to him, and uh, we want to be careful to always be mindful to give him the glory uh, and the praise. And um, so we've been looking at Romans 12, and I'm, I'm going to uh, read uh, some of these verses again just by way of recap and to refresh our memory and for those who visit us, so that you can just connect with where we are. All right, here we go. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, some translations give it as your rational service. In other words, it's your common sense duty. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, Paul had a way of saying very weighty things in a few words, and so we just need to dig a little bit. You know, the Bible's not hard to understand if when you're reading in your mind you ask, these sort of questions, who is it speaking to, what is it actually saying, why is it saying that and then other questions like how and so on and the meaning will jump out uh, to you. When you're reading the Bible for your personal devotions, do not hurry. Sometimes one verse can fill your heart all day with wonderful truth and it's not, you know, there's the old saying, uh, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, well, whatever. Um, and then some people say, a chapter a day keeps the devil away, or whatever. <laughs> but I just want to say to you that um, you, you let the, you digest the Word of God. You let it um, soak into you. And um, sometimes you can hang around a verse for two or three days or so on, as this wonderful truth just saturates your being. It is the Holy Word of God. And so... It's got wonderful truth to deliver to us and help us. So there's um, two things here which I shared last time uh, that are important. They are verbs. They are action words. Uh, First of all, we're to present ourselves to God. You want to find God's perfect will for your life? Don't be hard to catch. Just offer yourself to God. Lord, here am I. In fact, even saying those words reminds me of Isaiah how that when he caught a glimpse of the glory of heaven It just so flooded his soul He heard God say Who will go for us Us being the Trinity Father, Son and Holy Spirit And immediately he responded Here am I, send me Didn't ask any questions Just offer himself. You say well that's risky Yes <laughs> You say well that could be so transforming Absolutely but who wouldn't want to be transformed into the very best that God has? Can I be cheeky and ask, are you scared of God's good plans, which is why you play hard to catch? Um, you know, I want to tell you that God's ways are good. You, you see, understanding God's ways comes back to his nature, who he is. And Some of those beautiful songs that we have sung highlighted the nature of God, his character. Um, and one of the problems a lot of people have is they, they need instruction on who God is, who God is, because when you understand who he is, then you're more confident in the way you relate to him. Isn't that right? You see, so you don't need to be nervous. We present ourselves, and um, there's a proper way to do that, a living sacrifice. Uh, in other words, you, you're alive in, in the body you have, and uh, you are active in, in your daily life, and so forth like that. But your life is dedicated to God, not to self. This is what's meant by a living sacrifice. Your agenda in your life, and should be in mine as well, is that we are not like the ways of the world who just indulge their self and everything like that. We want to be dedicated to God, which is why there's the next word there, holy. I'm not afraid of the word holy. In some places they don't want to hear about holy. They don't want to hear about repentance. Well, this preacher's not afraid to speak about repentance and about holiness. God, you know, my father had a favorite verse in, in the book of Hebrews. Pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. they often spoke about this and uh Uh, We are to be a holy people, Uh, in other words, cleansed from sin, living for the glory of God, and not ashamed of the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, um, this is acceptable to God. There's a smile on his face, as it were, as we come to God, uh, surrendering ourselves to him and um, wanting to live for his glory. And um, it's called our reasonable service. One, because he's our creator, it's so natural for a Christian to present ourselves in the way Paul is saying here. And uh, then we're told, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Now, this is the second verb. To present ourselves is something we do. Being um, transformed is really the work of the Holy Spirit within us. And uh, he works to change us. When you become a child of God, you've got a very good friend. It is the Holy Spirit. His job is to make us uh, like Jesus in our life and character. I'm sure many of you have experienced things where you were just going to do something and you just kind of felt a little bit of a check, just a mild rebuke. Uh Uh-uh. You didn't hear a voice, but suddenly you didn't feel that you should proceed. Can I just see a hand? How many of you experienced that? Yeah, many of you. You see, that's the Holy Spirit at work. He is so faithful. He takes the things of the Father and the Son and he reveals them to us. He transmits them to us. He declares them to us. (laughs) Come on, stop playing hard to catch. I'm after you lot this morning. Uh, Isn't he patient with us? Yes. And... uh, you know, in the beginning, uh, we weren't worthy of his mercy. We didn't deserve it at all. We were rebels, you see. Do your own thing pleasing ourselves. The things of God were, were like strangers to them. Transformed It involves the change of attitude, the renewing of your mind. Now, you could have been brought up in a very abusive household. Uh, you, you could have experienced, um, you know, all sorts of put-downs and, and everything like that. When you come to Christ, you find he encourages you. He tells you that you are loved by him. The Bible says we were loved by God before the foundation of the world. What? That far back? Yes. You are not an oversight in God's view. Hallelujah. Yes. All right. Now, um, so this tells us that we are valued and that God has a plan for us um, I want to just go on now to um, just bring out some things here. Um, these are the positives that I've been expressing to you but um, there are two pressure points that are shown here. Um, one is uh, we've mentioned the renewing of our mind and not being conformed to this world um, because there is pressure that comes from the world. Um, maybe we could have the next scripture, please, on that list. Here's Peter. He gives it. But we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, that's all sorts of filthy immorality, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, you know, parting up large and drunk as lords, drinking parties, you know, all the, Horrible jokes and things that go on there, and abominable idolatries because they used to worship idols and all of that kind of thing. Is Peter speaking from experience? Yes, he, he he's writing to Jewish people. You can find that in the first verse or two of uh, First Peter. You think, well, they were God's covenant people. Oh, look here, there was a lot of sin amongst the Jewish people. They were religious in those days, but they meant large numbers were not born again. They didn't experience the working of the Holy Spirit in their life. And so they would get involved with all the parting up and all the stuff that, that goes on, and uh, which is a seedbed of, of evil. And see, Paul in Romans 12 was saying, do not be conformed to this world. Don't let, don't let the world shape you. You shape it, you see, and um, so forth. Have we got another one or two on this? Just let me have a look here. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Oh, they've gone religious. He doesn't come to our parties anymore, etc. And they mock you. How many of you experience this? Oh, yes. You know what I'm talking about. You see. And so, um, the world don't expect the world to understand you as a born again believer. I'm not saying you act holier than them or that you sort of put yourself up as being better than them because we're only what we are by the mercy of God. Um, You can do your very best to be friendly and open and living right before God. Your mouth had to clean out. You're not swearing anymore like you used to and and, uh, you've stopped lying and you've stopped stealing and uh, all the other sins that human beings do. You're living clean and you're living right. And uh, But they will mock you for one simple reason. As Peter says, you don't run with them in all the things uh, they do. I used to find it when working in a um, large um, store in Queen Street in Auckland. And uh, um, you'd go up to the staff room to have your lunch break or whatever. And some of the young men my age would be busy talking, swearing like troopers and you know just going on. You'd come in to get your cup of coffee and sit down, and suddenly a hush would go over that hubbub that was going on. You never said a word, but they knew you were a Christian. See, and your life spoke. Um, you know, we are the Bible. You've been hearing me say this quite a lot lately. We are the Bible that the world reads. They, their understanding of Christianity, many times is as they look at you as a professing Christian. Which is more important, to have God smile or the world smile? See, that's the thing we have to sort out. Do not be transformed, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Let's have a look at what James says. Get ready for a really punchy one. Adulterers and adulteresses. Ooh, how would you like a pastor like that? You know, is that punchy? Huh? Yes, it is. Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Well, take your pick. It's well laid out there, you see. It's well laid out there. So now I've let you see Paul and Peter uh, and John and now James. This was the standard of the early church. Do you know in many churches in our land, this kind of Scripture would not be taught over the pulpit in case you might offend somebody. You see, well, God is no respecter of persons. His standards are his standards. And when we read the word of God, it helps us to live right, live clean, and for the glory uh, of God. Now, in Romans 12, verse 2, it said that we prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Many of us would like to know all the end from before the beginning. Lord, I I want to know what your plan for me is right to the end. And God says, you're going to walk by faith and trust me. You know, when God called Abraham, tablets with the history of the world, anyone could go and read about God, the creator, and everything like that. Uh, Very civilized, uh, a huge commercial center, uh, an export industry uh, up and down the Gulf there on the sea, and uh, so on, and God says, leave this. (laughs) If you were Abraham, would you ask that question? Well, um, I'd like to know what the destination is. And God says, I will show you when you get there. Now, when you read the Bible, it teaches us God's ways. And that's exactly what I'm teaching on now. If you want to know the end from before the beginning, you're going to be out of luck because we walk by faith. And because God is who he is, we can trust him. The Bible says the Lord is good. And his mercies endure, endure forever. So one of the things that God calls us to is to put our complete trust in him and know that he will lead us step by step and the journey will be good. Why? Because God is good. That, that's why we need to know God's ways. Uh, he's not going to lead you in a way that will do you harm. He's not like that. He's a gracious father. And... Uh, so uh, it's the good will of God. It's good in its character, and it's beneficial in life, in its effects. Then it's the acceptable will of God. The Greek word here for acceptable, I looked it up, it means a pleasing will. It's a pleasing will. God is pleased with it, and uh, to live like that is wonderful. And then it says, and perfect will of God. That is the complete, the mature will of God. So all of this, these three points, it's a growing up uh, into God's best. It's a developing. You won't get there overnight. It's a maturing, and it's a proving process. You find out how good this is. Lord, I thank you that you're leading me. I thank you that you know best. I thank you for the excitement of not knowing what's coming next. (laughs) I can see some of you are smiling because you've experienced this in your life. You have found that God was leading you in ways that you never imagined. But you got to like it because you proved what the good, acceptable and perfect will of God was. Now we go on to verse 3 of Romans 12. Paul speaking. For I say through the grace given to me. Notice how Paul is very discreet. He starts off, I beseech you therefore. He's not laying down the law, he's affirming uh, as an apostle and just he's writing to Rome, which was the capital of the empire. Certain pride levels are always existent in capital cities and uh, also Jews were often looked down on and despised by Romans and uh, of course he was conscious of all those things too so he takes a meek tone I beseech you therefore in verse one and I say through the grace given to me to everyone who's among you he's not leaving anyone out is he it's the whole church not to think of himself and of course it applies to herself as well more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one, a measure of faith. Now, we notice here that it's not about a competition. Um, How many of you know we're all different? God has made us different, and he's done that for a reason, as I will be explaining and unfolding uh, over the next few Sundays and how that is integrated together God has a plan, and Christians need to be skillful in the way they interrelate as believers. That. And um, we are to think soberly. We're to have a common sense opinion about ourselves. You know, what's the use of constantly putting yourself down when it's really trying to hinder you from doing a good job or to spoil your faith, to believe God for the best? Isn't that right? You know, you, could, you can penalize yourself. You wouldn't need to have the devil around. You just would do a wonderful job doing the devil's work. Don't go there. Don't go there. Learn to encourage yourself. Remember when David came back to Ziklag, their home base, um, and discovered that raiders from the south had invaded their city, burnt it, took all the people and all the goods and all the livestock and departed. And when the men came near the city, they saw the smoke spiral. And uh, they, you know, if you've been watching the news on TV and watching those terrible fires in Redding, California, just flames a 100 feet high, just sweeping through, engulfing whole suburbs and people coming the next day and just surveying the ruins of what was a good modern home, lost everything. They just break down and weep, and so on. And you could could feel for them, because none of us would like that experience, would we? And so um, the men saw in their city everything gone, and in their distress, they talked amongst themselves, what's the use of following David? If we'd stayed here, this wouldn't have happened. Uh, How about we stone him? Now, sometimes people will say things, in grief mode, that they don't really mean. And that's why we need to be patient with one another. But what does it say about David? But David encouraged himself in the Lord. I love that verse. I've often thought about it. All of us here need to learn how to encourage ourselves. Um, Most of us will experience from time to time what i 'm going to call a downer, you know um, you just don't feel on top of the world you you're facing some difficult situations and it's oh me oh my you know you need to learn at those times don't give in to despair do not give in to anxiety, encourage yourself in the Lord because in our walk with God it's not just about us it's all about him in us and this is a a discipline that makes you a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You'll have lots of things in life that are like darts of the enemy which will be aimed at you. It can come from non-believers, and sadly sometimes it can come from believers. But you've got to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. In the end, you and I are responsible for our own lives, how we walk with God. Both Jeremiah and Ezekiel when God is calling them in each case to be a prophet, he said to each of them, do not look at their faces. (laughs) In other words, don't be intimidated by the disapproval of other people. We are to encourage ourselves in the Lord. This is all part of the Christian's armor, you know, in Ephesians 6. Um, um, Lift up the shield of faith, see, with which you may quench all the fiery missiles of the evil one. Not some of them. Uh, Being able to encourage yourself in faith is the remedy to every downer that would likely come your way. Where you've made mistakes, face up to them. Where you've done wrong, admit it. If necessary to other people, or confess it to God, who uh, is able to forgive. But the, 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 the bottom line is, you've got to lift up that shield of faith. And um, you've got to learn how to use that. Praise God. I'm enjoying this this morning. All right. So notice here that God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Notice in this verse that there's two phrases there which refer to everybody in the church at Rome. To everyone who's among you, line two. And the bottom line there is God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So how many people is he talking to? All of them, yes. So what we are looking at here affects us all. No excuses, no uh, Um, we, we acknowledge God has dealt to each of us a measure of faith. Now, it's not necessarily the same measure in each person. Some people have great faith, much faith. Others have less But there is is a measure of faith in everybody. What does God expect from us, therefore, is to use the measure he's given us. Whether you've been given a large measure or you've been given a smaller measure, as I said, we're not in competition. You and I are to use the measure of faith that God has given to us. Is that simple? You see, it's all part of finding the will of God. We're to exercise our faith. Um, yes it is and um, then you've got a whole lot of each other, each other, each other, each other it's quite a long list and I don't intend to to speak and teach on all those things but very clearly in the New Testament um, there's very clear instruction of how believers are to relate to one another we are to be warm, loving, compassionate uh, helpful, kind even as our father is warm, loving, helpful, and kind. We are to demonstrate the love of God uh, to each other. Now I realize that we grow in these things. If you grow up to be a very private person, you may find it quite something when someone comes up and gives you a hug and say, God bless you, brother. <laughs> and you might think, yes, and bless you too. You know, you're not used to that kind of thing. Um, I've seen some funny, funny situations um, and uh, all of these kind of things. But we, we need to accept one another for who we are, be helpful to one another. And often, as a congregation grows, people become aware of skills that different ones have. Maybe someone's very good at repairing cars and he finds out that a solo mother doesn't have much money. Uh, she she needs some simple repairs or adjustments done to a car, and he offers to fix it, you see. No one else knows about it. He just does it as unto the Lord, uh, that sort of thing. My relatives never visit me. That's quite common. And how sad when you've had a family and everything else and you're in your evening years, um, you are just, as it were, cast on the heat waiting for your demise. Um, I don't believe a life should end like that. But yes, you are. She said, no, no. I said, you are. She said, how? I said, you smile nicely. She had the most beautiful smile. All Colgate teeth. (laughs) You see? And she, she was basically quite a friendly person. But she was shy. So the shyness, plus her tendency to put herself down, meant that she was locking herself into a situation where she could not be a blessing to others. How many of you know that we are blessed to be a blessing? You see, Um, God said to Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. That was Abraham's call. So every one of you can be a a channel of blessing to other people, uh, to your neighbors. And sometimes our neighbours can be very interesting people. Um, I have a neighbour who leases a property and uh, she has a big pig and she has ewes with their lambs and things like that. And the sheep found a way coming up a dry drain and to get onto the roadside and then decided that our house lawn was a great place to graze. Uh, Fortunately, they were well away from my vegetable garden. And uh, lovely little lambs, two use there with twins each. And there they were, uh, just enjoying sunshine like we have today. And, uh, well, I'm a farmer's son. So you go out and you do some shepherding. Um, in fact, the Bible taught um, in Moses' time, they were taught, if you see your enemy's animal going astray, you shall go and retrieve it. Or if you see your uh, neighbor's donkey or an Israelite's donkey fall down because it's got too much load on it, you shall help the donkey get up and you shall restore it to the owner. Uh, Are we our brother's keeper? Huh? Yes, yes. And you know, God had to teach Cain that. He'd murdered his brother. God comes and says, "Um, where is Abel, your brother? Knowing very well where Abel was. He was dead in the field. And Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? And I first said, I don't know. So that one sin he murdered, now he's lying. Have you found that one sin can lead to another? Yes, don't go there. So he said, I don't know. And uh, then he asked the question, am I my brother's keeper? Very foolish to talk to God Almighty who knows all things. And your own conscience tells you, you killed your brother, you see. And... uh, God then rebuked Cain and judged him. We are to have a conscience, as it were, toward other people. You know something? Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? It's a flavor, isn't it? Do you need a lot of salt to flavor a meal? No, just a little bit. It's amazing what just a few grains of salt can do to make a difference to the taste of a meal. And uh, then he said, you are the light of the world. Champion. And then i will ask, uh, what would you do? Well, I went to church and there's such a lovely bunch of people and I was so encouraged and I might say, church! <laughs> you see, I've experienced this many times. And, but you see, you opened your mouth. You were not ashamed of Jesus. You were not ashamed of his testimony, right? Yes, yes. And we're not to be dumb saints. I want not tell you something. Those same people who look down their nose at you or even mock you openly Further on down the line, they strike a problem. If you're in a work scene, and I'll come to you and say, "Look, um, I'm really facing a problem, and I'd I'd like you to help me, or I'd like you to pray." It's quite something when someone who's mocked you comes and asks you that. You see, when you watch your tongue and you don't lose your temper with other people, and you you show grace. it's amazing how God then uses you and you collect the bonus. You collect the opportunities that God has.